folks and welcome to the art tenders with mac and danny today we're going to be reviewing avatar the last airbender book two um we just did uh book one two weeks ago where we we had some pretty good conversation we we a quick recap of that basically we um, talked about how maybe there was a different version of avatar the last airbender where zuko is the protagonist that would be pretty sick um but of course that would have to come with an entirely different episode structure um we talked about uh oppo we talked about um oh 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 oh. what's that uh admiral zhao yes right i love zhao yeah 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 and um the fact that i guess we'd never really see him ever again Mm -hmm. (laughs) which i'm sure is a big upset to you it is and and so really fast there's one episode in this second season where he's referenced um by a character and in that moment i was like Man, I like I wish we got more Zhao. Miss potential, miss potential. Now, exactly. I I want to start this off with just the the most simple question, the most straightforward question. Danny, did you like book two more than book one? Easily. I yes. I mean, th- there's just no comparison, right? It's like such a step up. I think uh, w- when looking at the episode list again, I think book two has a funky start. Uh, yeah. I think the first few episodes aren't that good, really. Um, yeah. But in terms of sort of payoff uh, for what character for um, characters introduced in the first season, tremendous payoff here. And, and in a lot of cases, seeing characters again that I fully expected not to see. Because a, a lot of shows with this sort of structure that, as we discussed in, uh, in our first discussion... This show does a delicate balance between having a plot progression and having an episode progression, you know, at the same time. Like an episode had its, has its own plot, but it's still deeply yeah. influential towards the entire narrative of the show. Um, so I was fully expecting uh, characters like Suki and Jet to just never be seen again, and I was completely wrong in that regard. So even really though... back around, huh? Yes, and even though, like I said, this season uh, starts off rocky, it definitely delivers. Um, yep. If we were to use a baseball analogy, I would say, you know, it's a good it's a good double, it's a good triple, you know, <laughs> definitely bringing in an RBI or two. Uh, I would not give it a home run, it's not there, but, you know, it's 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 a good hit, it's a good nice hit. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. I, we, we, we have trudged down the field and got ourselves a field goal, no touchdowns, no game winners, but we're definitely making progress, big time progress. Can we agree oh, yeah. that... After episode six, the blind bandit, we meet Toph, we meet Toph's bounty hunters, we meet all of the Earth fighters and whatnot. That pretty much after that, the the series and the season just takes off. I absolutely agree. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's interesting because part of me thinks that might just be a coincidence that they started, like, like the, the story just started getting a little more interesting at that point. But part of me is like, maybe it's not a coincidence that Toph really does 
introduced some very interesting things to the show. Do, do you have any mm-hmm. thoughts on that? I kind of. Uh, I think I think she's a very funny, very very uh cool character to uh to be around, and she's like, it's this interesting blend of being really really serious, but also just comedic at the same time. Partly because like she's just kind of mean yeah, yeah. here and there, like she's just mean. But right. I think that's that's a great sort of foil to yeah. the group that. Like Aang is super kind. Katara is also really kind. I mean, Sokka is just like a, a dope. But Toph is like Toph is not a bad individual, of course. But it's it's funny to have this yeah. sort of to to yeah. crassly say an asshole. Yeah. In do the group. do um, I I I think there might be something to the idea that she does raise the stakes. There's always more conflict with Toph around. There's mm-hmm. always. There's now not just, yeah. like, one or two villains. We now have, like, three or four parties of villains always after them at any given time because we have someone going after Toph. Specifically, mm-hmm. we have someone going... We have two people going after Aang. So there, there's definitely an up in stakes there. But also I think what's interesting is that even whenever the group is by themselves, even whenever the group is not actually fighting a bad guy, there's still conflict within the group now, which I think is the big... Which is was the huge win whenever, yes, Toph is introduced to the mix, and it and it makes perfect sense because it takes a few episodes for Toph to really gel with the group. There, there's a lot of resistance yeah. uh, with her and who she is and how the rest of the group operates. So it, it's you you don't realize it, I guess. Like, um, if all of a sudden, let's say, I mean, this character was introduced and, and she just got along with the group and everything was, you know, hunky-dory, you wouldn't probably, re- <laughs> you wouldn't probably realize it, but because there, there are some growing pains with the relationship between her and the group, it, it provides a lot more, uh, texture, uh, to to their relationship and it makes it noticeable and it, and it makes sense totally that like oh yeah of course like th- this is going to take time for them to like actually be friends and by the end of the season they very much so are but it's a very nice and steady progression she also opens up a lot of a lot of really interesting things that weren't really explored before because b- before it was really just like the only two people that were really friends at all and that we really knew their about the relationship was Katara and Aang but now it's interesting because Katara is now fighting Toph a little bit more. So now you, so, so then you were able to see all of a sudden like Sokka and Aang are a lot closer. Um, Sokka and Momo, Sokka and Appa, Aang to all like all the animals and everything. Aang to Toph. Like th- there's just so many individual relationships to explore that 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 there's there's really a lot to engage with at all times. And another thing that's really interesting is. I think that Toph is the best fighter out of all all of that group of people. I think that at this point, at least, I think that she she could probably yeah. take really any of them. So it leads me to my next question, which is because I was thinking about like yeah. we were to make like a, a a Smash Brothers type tournament of all of the <laughs> all of the fighters in the show who would come out on top, and it would really come down to Azula <laughs> yeah. and Toph. I think. Who do you think would would win mm-hmm. in a 1v1 Azula Toph. So, so we're counting the antagonists as well, like Fuck in yeah. this conversation? Oh, yeah. Um, shoot. 
we learned a lot about well, and and Iroh doesn't count because he, I, I, I don't know, that just feels I, wrong. Yeah, yeah, I feel, I feel like Iroh. It, it'd be a crime if Iroh didn't win, but if if Iroh didn't win, it's purely because of his old age. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but in terms of the best fighter on the show, I mean. Yeah, pro- probably Toph, if not Aang. I I would put Azula third. Um, I also find it comedic that we're making like a tier list of who's the best fighter. You know, this is <laughs> yeah, this is like sports talk radio. Like you gotta rank the teams. Um, <laughs> and so I, I I don't think it's between Azula and Toph. I think it's between Aang and Toph. Um, because I I think Azula is definitely up there but oh. every single time azula was i think when azula was like in a fight with these individuals there was always there was always another variable right like like azula was never on completely even ground uh with ang let's use the episode of the drill for example right when they fight on top of the drill there's this variable okay, of yeah. like the the falling rocks and like the drill breaking and so um i think ang could have won that fight and very very closely another case of like azula besting uh katara and ang at the end of the season but you also got to remember that she had zuko uh and a bunch of other earthbenders helping her so i think just like raw talent and raw power <laughs> i can't believe this discussion i um, love it I think Aang is above Azula at the very least. I think Toph is definitely up there too. So at the end of the season, I think uh-huh. Toph. And here's why. And I'm going to talk about, in my opinion, the one of, if not the dopest moment in this season. It is when Toph learns to metal bend. It's so sick, right? Oh, it's so sick. It's, and it ma- and it's it's great, and it makes sense because, of course, like, Toph would be able to because that's how she, quote-unquote, sees, like, Daredevil. Right. Um, She's able to, to see the earth in the metal, so she's able to bend the metal oh. with the earth inside of it. Um, and so I think that puts Toph a notch above Aang in his non-Avatar state. Mm-hmm. They- there's something really interesting and cool that the show does that I I want so bad to to touch on. At the beginning and end of every season, except for the very beginning of the first season, the very beginning of beginning and end of every season, and they do this in Legend of Korra too. They introduce you to a new style of bending, mm-hmm. like like a a new extension of of bending. So mm-hmm. I think at the end of the first season it was water healing, right, and then. Right, because you're like, oh, I didn't think they could like, fu- like heal people yeah. with one. That that's cool. And then there's, yeah. there was there's lightning, lightning. Yeah, there's lightning at bending. the vi- like the very beginning of the season. Yeah, and then metal uh, the metal bending much yeah. later on. Yes, I think in right. the last, if not the second to last episode. Yeah, and then also Ang starts like doing his like diamond thing, which is so freaking cool. Okay, yeah, I uh, that. That's just okay. I'm, I might have to get into my sizzle serve here. Okay. Should, should I? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. I think the last fight of the season, mm-hmm. the like the very very end of the season. Yes. That like ten minute fight. Yes. Was. I do think that's pretty much the best single fight in any TV show, any 
movie anything I've ever seen. I've never seen a fight that's better than that, period. That's my fucking sizzle serve. How does it feel to be wrong? Fuck you. So this is this is why. <laughs> it's not even just that it's like, oh man, what a cool fight. Because it's not really even that. It's not really even that. Like, it, it's a pretty uh-huh. good fight, but it's not even that. It is that... Oh, I could debate this for so long. There's There's a three-act structure that Avatar submits to that it's like we're definitely going with this right and it's not just like the three-act structure of the episodes it's not just the three-act structure of the seasons or like like every single scene has a three-act structure every single moment has a three-act structure like that like that's they're they're obsessed with it right tales of bossing say every single story three-act structure the the and this fight three-act structure which is dope as shit something that also comes into play is there's not a single move that they use the entire fight that we've seen before. Like, we see all new moves the whole fight. Katara whips out her little, like, water arms that were like, haven't seen that shit before. Those were referenced. Those were referenced. I have to say, we never saw them in action, but those were referenced. Okay. Oh, that because she was of teaching Aang them. Because I remember because sure. it was called like the octopus arms, and I thought that was the funniest and coolest thing. And also though that she like stood in a circle, like like she made a circle of the waves and fought like twenty people at once. Yeah. And then the the I mean the lightning obviously he makes like a suit of armor and looks like what, what is Astro Boy, and um, in his like little diamond thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh man. There, ten, there's yeah. just. Yeah. Right. Right. And there's just. <laughs> There's a lot going on in that fight. Oh yes. my gosh, yeah. And and it transcends. It's not just about like beating a person. Like he has to then give up like his love for Kara in order to I mean Katara in order to get in the Avatar state. And then once he's in the Avatar state, he might be dead. Like oh like oh my gosh. It's just so dramatic and, and juicy and just excellent. And what a fucking there. twist with the Iro. Like there's there's just so much there, Danny. There's just so much there. I agree. When you're saying that there's so much there, when you're saying it's an excellent fight, so far I would probably put that as like number one fight in the series. Uh, there isn't another one that really comes to mind that's a more impressive one because every other one is dealt with very quickly in some manner in order to progress the story. Um, but this one takes the opportunity to tell the story in the fight, uh, more so than others. Yeah. Now, with that being said, you saying that this is the best fight in, 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 in like the medium in, in, in viewing medium is an absurd take. You should feel bad, because that's absurd. That's ridiculous. Do you hear yourself? I'm going to need a counter-argument, Danny. I'm going to need a counter-argument. My, my the big counter-argument that came to my mind, um, because the big thing that you're referencing to is a sort of payoff, right? Is a, is a, is a narrative payoff in this fight. Every move is, is in order to fuel the story. So when we look at a movie like Avengers Endgame, and you're going to tell me, Spoiler alert. That's pretty good shit. That when Cap picks up the hammer. Mm-hmm. I mean, what more needs to be said? First of all, <laughs> I mean, absolutely absurd. And I, I'm going to admit it right now. I'm going to admit it right now. And I know I need to. And at one point, I think for this podcast that we're going to view them. But the Rocky 
movies, right? From what I understand, Rocky versus Ivan Drago, my God, all right? And that's not even mentioning The Predator. Okay, this is the first valid With one. Our, I mean, the showdown. That you've given me. The showdown between Mr. Mr. Schwarzenegger and The Predator. I mean... I will say... But, but, but to go so far as to say as this is the best fight ever, and I'm, I'm not even referencing, like... Like we're we're I'm not even referencing uh the choreography shown in like Jackie Chan in Bruce Lee uh even like Donnie Yen films like I'm not even like mm. referencing that so to go so far as to say that this is the best one I think it's very very good don't get me wrong and you're lucky because I wish I had more notes under my belt in this regard <laughs> but I highly disagree. With you, my okay. Friend. So, are the do do I care more about this fight than any other fight? Not necessarily. Do I think that it's the best fight choreography? Not even remotely close. Do I think so? What makes it the best fight? It is. It is the most perfect storytelling fight that I've ever seen. You can tell stories in many different ways, but in terms of the actual stories that are being told through all the fights that you just mentioned, the fights only have to be so long to tell mm. the stories that you were talking about. This story had to be told over 10 minutes of fighting, and every twist and turn was worth it. Every twist and turn was was just, like, surprise after surprise after, after twist and turn. It was just, oh, it was just so beautiful. Kill Bill. Oh, where she with with, with like the hundred guys, whatever. The crazy eighty eight. Crazy eighty eight. You got me. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was pretty good. I. You know what? The only the only counter argument I'm willing to accept is the fight in Predator. Whenever Arnold Schwarzenegger and um his the friend, born ultimatum and oh that's a good one too. Whenever they have the arm wrestling handshake. Arm wrestling. The best moment in the film. All right, listen. I'm I'm going to make the executive decision. We are going to break. You are going to hear from our sponsor. And during this break, Mac is going to watch a scene. And we're going to see if, in some regard, without even knowing the proper context, if this is going to change his mind. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back from our break to the art tenders. During this break, I showed Mac here a clip of the hallway fight scene from Old Boy. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I would suggest pausing this right now just to check out that fight scene. Um, cause it's it's regarded what up there as one of, if not the best fight scene to exist. Um, but Mac was making the conversation here that uh, the final fight, um, between Aang Katara versus uh, Azula and then Zuko. Uh, at the end of book two, uh, is the best fight scene. Now, I haven't gotten Max' opinions on the old boy hallway fight, um, but, Mac, what'd you think? i start off by saying, I think that we're the only podcast on the internet that fully supports people leaving our podcast mid-podcast. Um, and I, I, I like that. I, I, hope that, I hope that we keep that up. That, that makes me kind of happy. Um, but the, I love it. What an but audience. The, uh, the old boy fight 
was really epic, was really epic, was huge, um, was very grand. The fight choreography was fantastic. The whole one-shot thing was insane. Just the premise of it was wild. And it was nice to see that character overcome that obstacle. But I didn't necessarily need the whole fight for storytelling purposes. I didn't need all. It was just cool to see. Mind you, you didn't have the context. Neither do I, you, honestly. So we can't really you know, discuss you there. But you got me. I, it, it is important to take into account um, the, the, the context and the stakes uh, when looking at a fight scene because it, it adds sure, a lot sure. more. But, and, and, but, but that is what makes this fight scene at the end of book two such a fantastic fight scene is the context, is that the, it, it's not as much that this was a fight scene because fight scenes are cool. It's, it was a fight scene and every fight that was had and everything that happened was just the most effective and most fantastic way that they could have told every individual story point that they did but but anyway that was my sizzle serve what is yours i'll give the the fight at the end of book two um it's insanely creative and it's um because they're not bound by human anatomy Mm. uh they could just it's animation in a fantastical world they can do as they please um sure and that's <laughs> by human anatomy. Well, I'm I'm just I want to make that point clear that like that's an important piece of information to consider when looking at this fight scene that um it's it's only bound by for the most part by creativity as opposed to sure. like and and human anatomy. Yeah. And like Zuko's dick is not going to get in the way. Yes. <laughs> his massive throbbing dick. What's is wrong not with get you? In the way of his fight. Whenever you say human anatomy, it's the first thing in my mind. That's not on me. I was just like, human anatomy? What? My sizzle serve. That's fine. Anyway. Uh-huh. Azula is not that good of a character. You know what? I'm right there to fuck with you. I'm right there with you. And I think I I, I was I was looking, I was well, I was thinking, I was racking my brains, as one would say, um, as to why I didn't care for Azula's character, nor her posse, which consisted of May and Ty Lee, I right? forgot her name. May. Is it May or May. Mai? It's one of those. And Ty Lee. And I think the big thing that made Azula so not that compelling is because of that, she was not compelling. The <laughs> One thing that Azula was missing is a sort of yeah. humanity or at least a sort of sympathy, right? And so, like, does every character need that? No. Does every antagonist need that? No. But I also feel like if you're going to make this character such a big deal and we're constantly going to see this character, and it's not the case like Fire Lord Ozai, that Fire Lord Ozai right now, that character is more of like an ideal. It's supposed to embody a sort of evil, unknown presence, right? But if we're, if you're going to give us a character that is constantly on the tail of, uh, of our main characters, basically filling in the role for Zuko of yeah. last season, you need to flesh her out at least a little bit yeah. uh, in in terms of like what what's at stake for her what is what is she losing what is she in this for like 
like how important is this to her? What does this mean? Like we don't yeah. know what 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 her sort of POV on the world. Well, I guess we don't. We do know her POV. She just wants to dominate. But that's kind of boring. But like, what is? But what exactly does that give right. her? Right. I'm not saying we have to agree with her. I I I'm never in that camp. Right. But but a, a character is so much more interesting if we at the bare minimum understand what they're going for and maybe sympathize here and there. Your thoughts? I, I, I'm really glad that you had that observation and that you feel the way that you do because they really touch on that in the third season. And the third season, yeah, Thank you God. really get into and, – and it's not as much that they like justified or that they, that they really dive all that deeper into her humanity or whatever. They actually dive more into her absence of humanity. And – because I think that they had two choices, which was she she could have been like a good person. She she could have been a good person in a, in a former life, and then she has turned into this evil thing, or she's just always been just flat out evil. And I think that right. what they and and this season sort of like kind of implies, at least to me, this is my first time watching it, that she's always been uh, not nice. Yes, and they really, they really touch on that in the third season, and in and, and very funny ways, too. And, th- yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think it actually ends up being kind of interesting, because what she represents isn't actually, I think what she ends up representing isn't actually just the, this, like, essence of evil, like, I'm just a bad person to be bad type thing. I think that she ends up representing something a lot more, but in being a representation of something, she she loses a lot of life, a lot of actual character. character. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I even wrote down, "Do we need her?" Yeah. Uh, the answer to that question is, I, I think yes. We need someone. I, I, I think spot. what that character, right? I think what that character serves is great because it does heighten the stakes for all the main characters. But much like Xiao, I'm not going to lie, she could have used more love. And I think, like, so the issue with Zhao was I felt that he didn't get enough screen time. While the issue with Azula is that um, she got too much screen time for the character that she is. Um, Yeah. That if they were going to give her that much screen time, show some... Show something. Show some growth in, in, in some sort of regard. Even if it, once again, even if it's a growth towards her sort of antagonistic attitude, at least give us a little bit of something to hang on to, right? We had we had that yeah. with a lot of characters, you know. At the bare, 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 bare minimum, we got some growth with with Zhao that like he was getting excited about um 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 um, um, um like conquering. Right, and so, and we got you know a little bit of character with uh his former teacher Zhang Zhang that um that you know he was like he was like his greatest student or or something along those lines, but Zhao was the one that had him stop teaching. It's 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 something like that, right? Where um I feel like we're missing wholeheartedly, um with Azula, and then we just have these two random characters with her, which are you know they're fun characters, you know. But it's just like these feel like characters right here. These three characters, Meitai they Lee feel and, and Zizula. say what? Meitai Lee and Azula. Yeah. Um. They 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 are only 
unfortunately, and I wish this wasn't the case, um, because in my opinion, plot devices in a sort of way to raise the stakes for the main characters, to always have them on the run, they can never really stay in one place, um, which is why I think the episode The Chase is one of, if not the best episode in the season. Um, I was about to ask about that. I was about to ask about your favorite episode. That's interesting. But, so, so I think her character serves a great purpose, but there's very little, if any, actual character there, which is just disappointing because I, I feel like um, the sort of relationship that she has, that she's uh, Zuko's sister, younger sister, and sort of like the right-hand woman for the Fire Lord, it seems like, oh, Always, you know, didn't care much for Iroh. Um, and so also, what does chasing the Avatar mean to her? You know, we had a lot of potential, and that potential wasn't explored. So it was frustrating, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, no, I I, I, I definitely get that. You, you said The Chase was your favorite episode. Yes. That is so interesting. That, 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 that's the one where they are on the lizards, and they're coming after. Correct. And, constantly. Um, okay, yeah. And every time they touch down with Appa, um, they're chased yeah, off. Yeah, they, they're closer. Right. Interesting. That was your favorite episode. Wow. Because because of the amount of conflict in that episode. Okay, sure. So what, sure, sure, sure. So what and we, also, that's the first conversation that Aang and Azula have. Correct. Um... So I mean, what we had in that episode was a lot of care. Was a lot of excuse me, conflict between uh, Toph and the group. We had this sort of variable that the group is always exhausted, and I don't know why, but I love circumstances where a character is exhausted because that leads them to like dire circumstances. Um, that it that's so it you. really pushes them towards like a different direction. So we got that. So then we also have Toph. That's you as an actor too, yeah. though. Yeah. You're like, I love to be in circumstances where I'm just tired. Yeah, uh, b- but, like, tired, for, like, exha- exhaustion from just yeah. this overexerting because they need to, right? Like, that's that's the need. To, and then we get Toph oh, yeah. meeting Iroh, and then there's growth between Toph and Iroh as yeah. characters and what they learn individually. We get some Zuko progression as well, and how the episode ends is brilliant that they all square off Against Zula, which is such a first of all a cool yeah. moment, but then, um, she does a very clever thing, of uh zapping, I guess, <laughs> of of uh hitting uh Iroh with some fire bending to to to, and then escaping right, and then what does that do for Zuko and kind of by extension uh the rest of the group, particularly Katara's relationship and even Toph's. Yeah. Relationship and th- that that's that that's definitely what I, what I was about to say in terms of the um, there's a like lot what, that what, happens in that episode. Yeah, what um what Azula ends up being that I think it's important that it was Azula and no one else. Like why it was important that she was the bad guy and no one else is that the way they set her up, she is extremely important for obviously Zuko's arc for Iroh's arc, but also Katara's arc. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, so I'm, I'm I'm excited to see what you what you think there there was like three episodes that i was thinking of that were all like some of my favorites and the chase was not up there for me which is funny and it's not that it was bad it was fantastic it's fantastic episode but that just wasn't like a standout for me that wasn't something that like was unforgettable when i was looking at the episode list i was like this is the most like one of the high, like high stakes for the individual characters, right? We look at something like the drill, and the drill is insanely high stakes because a drill is yeah. puncturing 
on the great city of the greatest city of the Earth Kingdom, the Earth Kingdom capital, right? So it's major major sort of implications for what that could do to the world but at a very individual character level i think the chase is great but what were the episodes that you were thinking the the tales of bossing say was was is one of them not like like it's like the best but it's just something that was like like memorable because that was the very first time that Mm -hmm. like i had a real emotional connection to any character which is funny like the very Mm. first time that i actually cared enough to be like Oh damn! I'm really sad about this. Like about this, we're really excited. Very first emotional connection that I ever had in the entire series was seeing Uncle Iroh and at his son's grave. Like that was that was such a I don't know that 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 was the very first time that mm-hmm. I was like, oh wait, I really care about this show. That right. Blind Bandit was pretty good. I I think that um the biggest one I think maybe for me was mm-hmm. Guru. Which was, I think, episode nineteen, like the first part. Yeah, it's the second to last yeah. episode when they all separate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love learning about the world. You know that. Like, I think that's the strong point of the show. But specifically, the way that yeah. you learn about it through the guru and Ang realizing, like, what he what he must do and everything, and like, I I think that that's. I mean, yeah that mm-hmm. that 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 sets up the turning point. Um. It's it's a very big episode for Aang, and also a relatively big episode for Sokka as well. I would say. Yeah, 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 yeah. And 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 Sokka is becoming slowly but surely more and more important and more and more interesting, um, which I did not yeah. expect. But it is what it is. As opposed to just being the fool. Yeah. Right, right. He's actually doing something now. Um. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, do you have a gold medal, sir? Of course I do. Uh, this gold medal is a little bit different. Once again, because it's it's actually... This gold medal is because of what this character does to other characters. And when you hear me say this name, you're going to be like, I cannot believe you. Not from a disappointment level, but a sort of like, you. My gold medal is to Appa. You little... Fucker! Oh my! So this is why Appa's my gold medal. Well, you were because so mad all, about thank- me making Appa gold medal last time. Because I want to make it very clear. Okay. I want to make it okay. very, very, very clear. Oh, your sultry voice, Danny. Appa. Don't you dare tease first me season. like that. <laughs> Appa. In the first season. Not that interesting. Uh-huh. The issue with Appa... But Appa was just uh, a sort of plot device. Appa was only a vehicle, right? They needed the characters to get somewhere quickly. That's why they got Appa. They wrote the fights in such a way here and there to have Appa as a sort of deus ex machina. But theoretically, they never needed that deus ex machina. So Appa, really, in the first season, is just a means of transportation. Now, what this season does that I think does a very, very good job for a good, like, quarter third ish of the season the group is without oppa Uh. what does that mean that means the group loses a tool that they have so they have to be a little bit more creative that means the stakes are a little bit higher for them they have to figure things out differently and they have to try in using the bare minimum minimum bare minimum of words excuse me they have to try 
more. They, they have to really push themselves a lot more than they are used to. That's a good thing. We also had, because of that, an entire episode dedicated to Appa and where he was and what he was doing during that time. So we actually got more character of Appa. And it was very, it was cleverly done because, like, there are only so many ways that, like, Appa can give us character, right? So that's why we had uh, the guru, for example, uh, say, like, saying things, oh, like, um, you're still full of love, but you felt a lot of betrayal. You're full of a lot of, uh, a lot of fear, right now, like, those sort of, like, uh, nuance, I guess, um, uh, uh, sort of, sort of, sort of displays, um, could easily, could be more easily told through another character, uh, but, and we still got instances where, oh my gosh, like, clearly, Appa is just, like, on his last string right now, you know, so we, we got a Mm. lot of good instances of that episode, for that character. Unfortunately, when Appa comes comes back to the group, of course it's like a very like great moment and then Appa is right back to his role of just being a vehicle. But I'm giving him the gold medal because of what the it's funny, because of what the removal of that character does for the narrative of the show. I totally agree, Danny. I totally agree. That's not where my gold medal is going. Is that your gold medal as well? That's not that. That's not where my gold medal is going. But I agree that Appa is such a kick-ass character in this series, in 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 this season, in this book. Mine is going to go to. uh, Actually, it's going to go to Uncle Iroh this time, Um, which seems like a pretty easy one. Which seems like a pretty simple one. But specifically because, well, first of all, the two most important. Fights the two, the two the two ones where Aang was in the most danger in the season were a, a, at least in my opinion, whenever he faces Azula in the town and whenever he faces Zuko and Azula at the very end of the season. Both times he was saved by Uncle Iroh, which I think is huge. Yeah. But also specifically, I love the way mm. that that they have painted Uncle Iroh in terms of his ability to control conflict, his ability to confront conflict, his ability to talk with people he doesn't agree with and, like, try and change Zuko's mind through love and compassion and, and understanding. And that he's like, I'm I'm going to make sure that you turn into the man that you're supposed to be and I'm only going to do it by yeah. being there whenever you need me to be there and... Yeah, and, and and just trying to be like a light in your life in some way. That that's just fucking adorable to me. I think also And I think that yeah. I think also this season does a good job of um we get we get we get a hint. We get a little of it where we can see how and why Iroh got to this place in his life. Yeah. Yeah. Which is oh, super yeah. important. Because if you look at yeah. like um the original heir, you know, to the Fire Lord before his brother took it, Ozai, it really begs the question, how the hell did he get here? But, like, we're, we're given little pieces here and there. Like, okay, this is this is starting to make sense. And it's not like we have an episode. And it's great because we don't have an episode actually dedicated to Iroh. It's just here and there, here and yeah. there, here and there, here and there. Yeah, and I don't think that we ever totally get one, which I think is a fucking shame. Um, I, I, I want... A lot more. Yeah, I think that episode would be fantastic. Yeah. 
Uh, don't get me wrong. I think that would be the that would probably be the best episode of the season of yeah. the series. I agree. But uh, it's but it's the storytelling is done very well, uh, and it goes to show because he doesn't have his own episode because he doesn't need it. Mm-hmm. Um, All right, Mister Danny Laviel. Yeah. What are we watching next week? So we're not watching. Or consuming. Ooh, yeah. I'm excited. We're not necessarily watching next week. Um, We're going to play something. This is a game. Yes, a game that I want to play oh, Danny. For, for a while. Um, it's I wanted to make sure it was something easily uh, accessible. Um, and I found it. And luckily, it was. Uh, but yes, like I said, I want to play it for a while. It's on the App Store. It's not necessarily a, it's kind of, but it isn't a, a sort of text adventure, but it's, it's one of those games that your, your decisions and the decisions that you make influence, um, the path and the story that you are on. It is a game. That is so sick. It is a game called Oxenfree. One word. Um, uh, and. Like Ollie Ollie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, um, from what I've been told, from what I've seen, it's a great game, uh, and I know very little about it, and, uh, it's relatively short, um, so probably, like, a session or two, and you're done with it, um, unless you replay it and find something else new or interesting about it, which is always fascinating, um, you know we're gonna be doing that. Yeah, so we're gonna be consuming that for next week, um, Mac, any final thoughts on... Book two of Avatar The Last Airbender. I'm just excited to get to book three and be able to talk about the show as a whole and then specifically talk about why Legend of Korra is the worst show that's ever existed. That's, 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 uh, wow. <laughs> and you. I mean, I haven't seen Legend of Korra, but whole. Okay, my. that's not true. That's not true. I'm not willing to go that far, but it's pretty fucking Okay, bonkers. I mean, you, book so. two is so much better than book one. Book one is necessary, but, um... Uh-huh. The best thing about book two is the payoff that it serves for book one, easily. It's it just it just happens to be that sort of way. Um, the narrative storytelling is is a lot better this time around. So um, I'd still recommend watching this yeah. show. I give give yourself a little bit of time between book one and book two. That's what I did. Um, yeah, you're gonna appreciate book two a lot more after you get those first few sort of okay episodes. Um, once once uh they. They introduce Toph. Things pick up. Uh, yeah, I, I can't, yeah. I can't help but recommend it. All right. Mac, thank you very much, and we'll talk next week. I'm excited. Thank you.